0: You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose podcast. For more sermons and content, visit sojournmontrose.org. So, well, for us that are new, right, like maybe maybe you came last week for the first time or you've been here for a week or so, um, let me give you some context. We, we just finished a sermon series called Life Together, um, in which we were talking about, with kind of a laser focus, what our life together is. in in Houston and Montrose looks like. So we were talking uh, even more laser-focused about the neighborhood parish. Like, what what is the neighborhood parish? What does it mean for us that we're part of a neighborhood parish? Beyond that, what does it mean for us that we're a local church? What do we do here? What does that look like? Um, So that's where we were before this. And um, our hope is that now by focusing on Colossians, we'll be able to remind ourselves of who we've found our life together in, Right? So that, that's Jesus. Um, we can consider that our life together is not um, just, just chance, just happenstance, but, but it's focused on beholding uh, the person and work of Jesus. So that's kind of what Colossians um, does for us, and um, our hope is that this letter would do for us what, what it's intended to do for the church at Colossae, um, which is to remind us that our hope uh, is not in the world, but in Christ, right? And that we as a church get to behold his beauty, um, his lordship, and remember his reign um, over all creation. So um, the section we're doing this morning, Paul uh, Paul hasn't even gotten into like the meat of his letter, which is talking about Jesus and the preeminence of, of Christ, his supremacy, right? Um, but it's a foundation-laying passage that, that he bathes in prayer um, of thanksgiving, of encouragement, of reminding where truth has been found. Um, so, so that's where we'll begin. Um, and much like Paul, we're, we're going to start this morning in prayer. Um, so if you would, let me pray for us, and then we will, uh, we'll get to work. Cool. Father God, um, I confess that I've put my hope in other things. Um, in other people, in other places, in other items, in other idols, uh, Lord. But this morning, will you remind us that our hope is found in you? Our hope is future forward to heaven. And, and currently, um, we can hope uh, in the fact that we are our sons and daughters, co-heirs and inheritance um, of your kingdom, saints in light, Lord. Remind us of that um, in, in a particularly... Um, disheartening season for our, for our country uh, and for our world. Um, let's instead focus on the beauty uh, and the work of Jesus. So Lord, may this be refreshing to our souls. Will you be with me um, and, and help me to be truthful to this text? Will you, uh, will you open the hearts um, of the, the sojourners here today, the, the church here in Montrose? Lord, we love you. Uh, We trust you with this. Um, Be with us in your holy name we pray. Amen. Cool. So um, I want us to begin considering this question. What do we hope in and how is that different from what our culture hopes in? Right? So uh, like I just kind of prayed about, um, it's an election year. And folks in our culture, um, a lot of folks in our culture are hoping in a president or, or politics um, to save this country, right? I mean, you, you can watch the news for about five minutes and get that get that notion, but um, as is the case with maybe most of us or a, or a lot of us in the country, um, we have definitely been let down by these candidates. Um, maybe we've been let down by the process in general, or maybe we've been let, let down by the political system just as a whole. Um, or, or maybe, maybe this hits closer to home. Um, oil is, is down in Houston, um, and job security is kind of waning. Um, so maybe it's finance for some of the people in our culture, right? Like It doesn't take you long to look around Houston and realize that we, we have hundreds of thousands of people hoping for uh, and hoping in a better paycheck or the next paycheck or a bigger house, a better car. Um, that's where they've placed their hope um I think I think things like that, I mean we could go on and on and on right about like what our culture hopes in but I think I think things like this remind us that our culture um, hopes in and worships um, really self-actualization um above all else, right So like this idea that um, that we can become, that we are becoming the best that we can be kind of individuals that, that, we're, that the goal of our life is to either get married or have a family or to get a better job or to get better things. Um, we encourage, our culture encourage this, encourages this mindset. We tell children this. We tell, them, uh, we tell people like, you do you, like do what makes you happy. Um, we, we tell people uh, as a culture that, that their hope is found in, in status, and, and items and things. Um, and don't hear me wrong, like, some of those things are good, right? Like, a job is good, laboring is good, um, a family is good, marriage is good, a house is a good thing. Polit- like, praying for politi- like politics to go well and participating in the political system that's a, that means you're a good citizen and that's a godly thing. Like, the Lord calls us to do that. Um, but simultaneously, those things can be good and ultimately not our hope. They can, they can be good and simultaneously not the thing that we're hoping for and praying for. Um, and so our culture might hope in that, but we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, right, Like we, we don't hope in that. We hope in Christ. Um, we have an eternal hope. We get the opportunity to remind each other of that hope. And so in this first section, Paul is doing that to the Colossians. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk about, like, kind of I just did. He doesn't say, like, this is wrong, and this is bad, and stop doing this, and stop doing this. He, he knows there's problems in the church here, and he just writes a letter about Jesus. It, it's not defensive, right? Paul's not saying, whoa, 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 like, don't do this, don't do this. It's offensive, not, not offensive, like, that offends me, but it's, it's the offensive saying, like, hold on, just behold the beauty of Christ. and that, That's where we are going. That's like the meat of this section. Um, that's what we get in Colossians. But uh, Paul in this section is laying that foundation, reminding the Colossians and encouraging them and, and us by proxy that, um, that eternal hope will lead us to a way of life that's worthy of the Lord, um, sustained by him as a new identity and a new kingdom. So let's, uh, whoops, let's break down this introduction. Uh, Paul is writing to the church here. Um, when we look at the whole of the letter to Colossians, we we don't get a lot because of what I said. Like we don't understand really exactly what is going wrong in the church, right? We have an idea though based on what we know about the culture um, in Colossae. And, and what Paul kind of addresses. We know that there's some sort of what most scholars call a Jewish mysticism, a, a heretical teaching that's influencing the church here. Like people are praying to angels, um, worshiping angels. So there's like old Jewish, Old Testament tenets that are, that are uh, being warped in the culture. Um, but, we, but we don't know exactly what it is. But, um, but Paul starts by by reminding them and praying for them and encouraging them of of the truth that they found, right? Uh, So we're going to read through this. Um, If you you have your Bible out, keep it out. We're going to jump around a little bit because there's some cool literary things going on here that I don't want us to miss. Um, So if you've got your Bible, keep it out. Starting in verse three, it says this. uh, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ uh, and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing just as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. And so we're gonna skip seven and eight and pick up in nine, but notice the similar language here. Like, don't, don't miss that. Uh, Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit uh, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. And we'll stop there. Um, this second prayer echoes the first portion of the prayer, right? Like, so that first paragraph, that second paragraph, he kind of picks back up in the prayer, and he just he he mirrors himself, really, um, and it's certainly deliberate, right? Like, Paul is writing like not very many letters, and this is a, a deliberate literary usage of of mirroring, um, of mirroring his language, so if you kind of break these down, these two passages down, they both have three uh, nearly identical movements. They have uh, an expression of thanksgiving. Um, Second, they have a description or breakdown of the good works for which Paul is thankful for. And third, they have a reminder of the works, uh, a reminder that those works naturally occur from, from being told the truth of the gospel and reacting to it, right? So let's, Again, let's dive in and let's look at this. So in that first part, that first section, verses three through six, um, Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So he's thankful to God for what? Uh, Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love you have for the saints and your hope laid up in heaven. So faith in Jesus, love for each other, hope in heaven, Paul's thankful for it, right? And then he continues of this you have heard before in the word of the truth the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth so this fruit that I'm thankful for these good works that I'm thankful for that are increasing in you I'm thankful for them and the f- fact is they they stem from you hearing and understanding grace right and then Let's look at that second paragraph. And this one is the, is the inverse almost. It, it works from the bottom up. So let's look at verse 12 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. So Paul's giving thanks and reminding them to be, to be thankful to God. But why? In verse 11, right before that, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience, and joy, another triad of works. Um, be thankful to God for those works that I just talked about. And then, where do they stem from? What's the source of these good works? Verse 9 says, From the day we heard, we didn't cease to pray for you, asking, you that, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, bearing fruit, and increasing in knowledge. So the way he starts the, the second section by reminding them of where their good works come from, is the same way he ends the first section. From receiving, hearing, and understanding the gospel, outward from us flows good works, and and it transforms us into a a manner of gratitude, right? So in the first section, it's, I'm thankful to God for you uh, because I have heard of your good works, uh, and they're flowing from your hearing of the gospel. And in the second section, it's your hearing and belief in the gospel are flowing out into good works. And for that, I am thankful, and you should be thankful. Um, it's set. This this is deliberate, and it sets a tone um, for a letter that focuses on Christ by rooting it in encouragement and a reminder that that truth declared and responded to produces faith. Uh, faith exhibited, and love displayed, it roots them in the reality of their salvation, right? So instead of saying, um, the heresy that you're hearing is wrong, he says, remember what you've heard in truth and how you're responding. And, and not only remember it, I've heard of it. Like, I'm all, I'm all the way in jail, Paul, at this point, and I'm hearing report of your works, evidenced by um, evidence of your response to the gospel, and I'm thankful for it. The call call here is simple uh, to humbly approach the throne of God, right, with with gratitude, grow in faith, grow in love, hope in things eternal, not things of this earth, Uh, have endurance, um, to grow in endurance, to weather hardship, have patience with one another, right, Um, and to do all of that with joy. Uh, So, Remembering and reminding each other of these it is a natural flow um, from the Holy Spirit filling us with, with what Paul calls spiritual wisdom, not, um, not cultural wisdom, right? Spiritual wisdom is what allows us to increase and bear more fruit. That is the mark of gen- gospel generation, spiritual wisdom that produces fruit with joy, It's the mark that truth has been heard and responded to and that um, it allows us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So think about that. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Uh, Maybe you don't feel like you're always, uh, I'll take a guess and say you probably don't always feel like you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? Because, Because I don't, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord all the time. Or, or even if I do, sometimes I don't feel like I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And I think we can take solace in the fact that the Colossians, this isn't true for them either, right? Like, we know that there is heretical teaching in the church. We know that some people are believing it, which means they're not walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Um, but all the same, Paul is saying, no, no, remember your identity, right? Remember who you are and what's happened to you. Remember wisdom brought by the Holy Spirit. And even even more in verse 7, he says, remember Epaphras, right? Like you're like, who's Epaphras? Uh, verse 7 says this, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Epaphras is essentially the church planter of, of Colossae, um, we know from, from scholars that he goes there as a relatively new believer, right? Which, as an aside, that shatters the myth that if you're a new believer, you can't share Jesus, right? Because this dude, this dude went to a region that had never heard the gospel yet as a new believer and planted a church that's thriving, growing, that Paul's encouraged by. There isn't an upper, upper, upper level of maturity that Christians get to before we can share Jesus. Like, there isn't a class that you have to pass um, before you can talk about what Jesus has done for you. It's absurd. But um, epiphras is, is, is being used by Paul as an example. Paul is saying, remember him who, who came here in good faith, who told you truth, and who, who you responded to. And he's living this life out. He's walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully on mission, right? Right? It's a call call for us to look at one another Um, and and especially thinking about the one who's maybe discipling you or discipled you to Jesus. Um, There are people in our lives in community that remind us of what Jesus has done for us, and Paul is telling them, remember Epaphras? Like, he... He told you about Jesus. You've experienced it. I can tell by your works. You're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Let's talk about Jesus. And my guess is that, uh, so kind of changing gears here, my guess is that the false teaching that we believe in Houston um, isn't Jewish mysticism, right? Like it's not Jewish paganism. Um, but there is a cultural heresy here. There is a false doctrine, and it's it's that self actualization that I was talking about, right? It's a self actualization that that puts us at the center of our story. If I uh, if I look at my life, I see this, right? Just because I work for the church and I'm up here does not mean that that I don't struggle with this. My biggest daily may, maybe. Uh, my biggest daily temptation is to live in a way that puts me at the center of my universe, right? Like the decisions I make, the things I say, my interests, my goals. Um, I'm I'm in the middle of every narrative, almost every narrative that I live out daily. Um, my my time, my finance my job, my money, my, my knowledge, my looks, my things, my social media, my, my, my whole Instagram is my ad campaign for myself, right? The way I'm thought about, my work ethic. I frequently, maybe mostly live in a way that tells the culture that surrounds me that I am the most important person in my life. Donald Miller says this, um, the way we think is this, of course this movie's about me. I'm in every scene, right? Like, I'm, I'm in every single scene of this movie. Why wouldn't it be about me? And our culture doesn't even deny this. In fact, they celebrate it. Our, our culture tells us that, um, that UDU philosophy, like, yeah, go get it. Like, go, go do whatever makes you happy. Go live the life that you think you're being um, told to live. Go do whatever you want to do. You can do whatever you wanna do. And I think this is why we regularly fail at this. We exchange spiritual wisdom for the wisdom of our culture. But we need, uh, we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, right? We need spiritual wisdom, not cultural wisdom. Just like the Colossians needed spiritual wisdom, not cultural wisdom. We're not, like 2,000 years later, we're not more advanced than them. There's a cultural heresy, they're believing it, and it needs to stop. That's just, like, we're in the same boat. Paul is showing us and will continue to show us through the whole letter to the Colossians um, that one of the best ways to remind ourselves that we aren't the main character of this story is to look at the one who is, that's Jesus. And we we get to focus on, behold, and celebrate his supremacy um, together right? Read with me, uh, starting in verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So here's Paul um, writing to the Colossians, the Gentiles, right, the non-Jews, using language that is reserved for the Jews in this time. That's also purposeful language, right? Like Paul knows that there's this like Jewish mysticism thing happening, so he's like, no, like remember um, that what happened to the Jews, the people of God, that that is for you now, Gentiles, through Jesus. Words like qualified, inheritance, kingdom, all language, Uh, used for the Jewish people under the old covenant, now applied to the Gentiles under the new covenant. God the Father making them saints through the redemption purchased through his son, Jesus Christ. This is specific language about redemption. Um, And You can turn with me here if you want, but I'm just going to read this briefly. Exodus 6, 6 through 8, um, this is where Paul is drawing that language says this, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into a land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac. And to Jacob, I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So if you're familiar with this story, it's God promising future deliverance to the slaves um, in Egypt. And we know this comes true. Like we have the account, we've seen it finished, that God parts the Red Sea, brings the slaves of Egypt out of Egypt into the promised land. But as it comes true for them in the Old Covenant, Paul is using this language again to remind the Gentiles that now it's true for us under the new covenant, right? That we are delivered from the domain of darkness. You see, as we learned about through um, the sermon series, Christ in the Covenants a couple months ago, the whole Bible uh, tells one story about Jesus. He is the main character. It's a story about him establishing a kingdom of saints, That's what Paul is reminding the church here. That's what he's reminding us here. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We're drawn in by the spirit, qualified by the father through the procurement of the son. We're saints of light, um, actively being sanctified by the Holy Spirit while simultaneously being fully saints. Psalm 107, again, like just so we can see this thread throughout the whole Bible, right? Psalm 107 uh, celebrates this exodus um, and this truth under the old covenant and the new covenant, right? Like, so it's a, it's a backwards looking, it looks back towards the exodus, um, but it also looks forward to the, the release from bondage that we get in Christ from sin. <clears throat> it says this, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, "'prisoners in affliction and in irons, "'for they had rebelled against the words of God "'and spurned the counsel of the Most High. "'So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. "'They fell down with none to help. "'They cried to the Lord in their trouble, "'and he delivered them from their distress. "'He brought them out of the darkness "'and the shadow of death "'and burst their bonds apart. "'Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, "'for his wondrous works to the children of man.'" He shatters the doors of bronze. He cuts into the bars of iron. It's beautiful imagery and language and truth. So, this is, is true for us now today. Like, this is that diving board I talked about with which we jump into the deep end uh, of Jesus next week. Paul setting up uh, and getting the, the Colossians in the right frame of mind before he reminds them who they're supposed to be focusing on. Um, and I, as an aside, also I love that Paul is extra careful to root Jesus in a, in a letter about Jesus. He's careful to root Jesus in the Trinity. Right? If you look in verse three and twelve, he says thanks. The, he, he thanks and fathers the and igno-, I'm sorry. He thanks the Father and acknowledges that the Father is necessary as our qualifier, just as the Son is necessary as the price for that qualification. Right? So he's rooting Jesus in the person of the Trinity. Um, before he just focuses on how beautiful, how perfect Jesus is in his supremacy, ruling, and reigning. It's Jesus on the cross that crucifies our sin, delivers us from the domain of darkness, qualified by the Father, redeemed, forgiven, and now in Jesus' resurrection, we sit as co-heirs in the kingdom of him who reigns. So as we kind of wrap up um, what does this mean for us, right? Like, how, how do we live? How do we respond? Um, I think what Paul is working to do here and what we can do is remember Psalm 107, right? We can remember Exodus. We can remember um, that he brought us out of the domain of darkness. He brought us out of a, a be- believing a cultural heresy, um, wallowing in our sin and despair to, a, to be saints of light. That means that uh, the bonds of our sin are no more. We get to live with wisdom, uh, with the wisdom of the spirit in a culture that preaches a, a false, self-centered, uh, heretical teaching, not the beautiful, true, Christ-centered reality that we sit in as brothers and sisters in Christ. It means that our hope gets to be laid up in heaven and not on earth. Um, True spiritual trust is is faith in Jesus to heal and redeem and empowering us to love one another and keeping our hope fixed on the eternal, not in the temporal. It's like we said a few weeks ago, like, we are sojourners. Not not we go to a church called Sojourn, but we are here for a short time, a brief stay, right? Right? And that's a reminder to us that our hope isn't here. It's in heaven. So let's live that way. Let's pray that way. Let's act that way towards one another. Um, The truth that the Father is qualifying us also means that we continue to grow, growing in knowledge and power and the ability to endure those hardships, to, to grow in patience towards one another. Um... But above all that, to live, to live that life that's worthy of Jesus, um, not out of compulsion or guilt or burden, but in joy. Like that, Paul is saying, that is the mark of regeneration, that, that the things that, you, that, that seem so burdensome at first become joyful as time goes on. When we walk in our identities as citizens of the new kingdom, um, we get those things doesn't mean that we don't sin. It doesn't mean that we, don't, uh, that, we f- that we don't fail to believe that we aren't worthy, right? But when we, when we do sin and when we do uh, walk in a way or not believe in our worthiness as, as saints in light, we, we minimize Jesus' work on the cross, right? We're, we're telling Jesus that what you did wasn't enough for me. Um, and it's false, If our hope is caught up in anything else, in politics, in money, in our job, in things, um, we'll be let down, right? Eternal hope places us in something that that doesn't let us down. And if you're like me and you're tempted to have hope in yourself um, and to believe that the false promise of living for yourself and doing what makes you happy Um, above all else, if you're tempted to believe that like me, uh, then even worse, you're going to let yourself down all the time. We aren't Jesus, right? We don't fulfill. We don't sustain. We don't bring eternal joy or life. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus is Jesus. Um, He did that. He lived a perfect life. He is the only one who walked in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? He did that, and he still paid the price for us, and and he rose above it. And and because of that, um, we are grateful, we're changed, we're reminded of truth, and we get spiritual wisdom through the Holy Spirit, and we continue to grow in gratefulness, um, and it changes the way we live. That's what we hope for, right? We don't hope in vain because, as Marshall says, what he decrees comes to pass. So uh, as I wrap up, I want to speak practically for just a minute. Um, I want to encourage us to be a people that prays this way, right? Like, so don't hear me wrong at all. Um, We have to be a people that prays for our jobs, for our health, for marriages, for, for all those things, right? For politics, we need to be praying for those things week in, week out um, for each other. Jesus prays for those things when he says, give us this day our daily bread. Like he prays for the mundane day in, day out things. Um, these are good prayers, so let's not let's not cease to do that. But, but I often do not pray for my brothers and sisters in the parish in this way. I don't thank the Lord for their growth. Um, I don't pray for their endurance. I don't pay for their patience or strength or spiritual wisdom or joy or faith or love or hope. Um, And I want us to. If we pray that our hope is in heaven, then when the political systems fail, when we lose our jobs, when our health fades, we will have, um, we've been promised the strength to endure those hardships, right? We've been promised the patience to reconcile with each other. We've been promised joy. These things will increase in us. Um, We want to be a people marked by these things, right, that Paul is excited and thankful for um, and that the Colossians are marked by. And by God's grace, it it actually is happening here. Uh, We're three years old, right? And I can honestly say in the people in this room, I have seen uh, miraculous growth I've seen people um, be patient with one another in a way that isn't explained by our culture, right? I've seen people love each other in a way. I've seen people love on Sunday mornings by serving um, and love throughout the week. I see us growing in spiritual wisdom by the way you guys talk to each other. That's encouraging. Like, we should thank God for that. There there is growth here. Um, Spiritual... Wisdom is happening here. We're learning those things. The Holy Spirit is teaching us those things. Um, It's exciting. It's exciting, but let's root ourselves in spiritual wisdom by continuing to turn to truth, by continuing to remind each other of the gospel, by hoping in eternal things, and by praying this way, by praying for each other this way. Excuse me. We have been delivered from a a dark place, right? Our bonds have been broken. Um, We're in a new kingdom that Christ rules. Our hope is realized in Jesus and is being realized day in and day out by the Son. We are qualified by the Father to an inheritance unlike anything we've ever imagined. Let's live like that. Uh, Let's let's remind each other of it. Let's love each other like it. Let's tell people about it like the Colossians did, right? Like Epiphras did to them. This is why we make disciples. It's why we multiply parishes. It's why we plant churches, because we believe that we have a hope that is worth telling people about, right? It's changed us. It It really has changed you guys. Let's live like it. The kingdom has been established, and so as we come to the table this morning, um, let's do so and be reminded of our qualification by the Father, purchased by the Son, um, by his body and his blood. And let's share in the inheritance of the saints in light that we are. Pray with me. Father God, you are you are good. Father, you are, um, you are love. You are perfect, Lord. And we confess that we often do not walk in a worthy manner um, of your presence. But Lord, thank you for the reminder that because of your Son, we now walk as worthy co-heirs of a kingdom saints made right, walkers in light. Um, We walk with truth, with faith, with love, hope in the eternal. We endure the things of this earth with patience and love and joy above all else. Lord, I pray for these things for this people. I'm thankful for them, God. Thank you for this church being a place that can can show me um, that the Holy Spirit is in the business of making people into Jesus. Um, We're thankful for it, Lord. We celebrate it. Um, We worship you. Lord, be with us this week. Um, Walk with us through the letter to Colossians. Um, We trust you with this. Thank you for being a God of your word from the beginning of the age to the end. We love you. In your name we pray.